Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? I <laughs> hope you're getting through the week. Looking after yourselves, um, you know, again, looking at some of the research coming out of this current time and this past decade, suicide rates have gone up really powerfully and even more so during COVID. It's understandable. People are isolated and all alone. They don't necessarily feel cared for. They don't have access to their resources, the support that they normally have, the distractions, the buffers, maybe their chosen coping mechanisms. Divorce rate is up, right? Mental health issues are up. It's understandable. That's part of you know, what this is about right now. And that's what's really hard and difficult. So always reminding people that if you need extra care and support, there's so many different resources, reach out, uh, consider possibly getting a therapist for some added support, really connect to those around you. Just a loving reminder, three people every single day. And if you don't have three people in your life that you can connect to, uh, start trying to build that. There are different apps where you can, you know, again, these apps for dating and sex, some of them are really targeted also towards networking and socialization, and that does happen. So think of people that you've always wanted to be closer to, people that you wanted to reconnect with, and three people a day. You can text them, call them, FaceTime them, send them memes, reach out on social media, but three times a day at least connect to people to remind you that there's people there. And, uh, you know, those that are listening, reach out to people. You know, someone that you haven't heard from in a while, someone who maybe is a little disconnected. It means a lot, and it really helps improve mental health and also decrease some suicidality if you know that someone's thinking about you and someone cares. So reach out, letting people know that you are and that you do. Again, I love hearing from people I haven't heard from in a long time. People have more downtime, more loneliness, and that really drives us to reach out. So a few people a day. You know, you can switch it up or make it the same three, but really build that into your day. That's how we're going to come out of this with some resilience and some mental health. Uh, but yeah, suicide numbers have gone up. Domestic violence numbers have gone up. Divorce has gone up. You know, not everyone's cohabitating in a safe environment. Not everyone's taking care of themselves. Also, you know, rates of high, higher rates of uh, drug and alcohol misuse. So think about that. That all doesn't come together to create the best relational environment or family environment. You know, I was looking at some of the articles talking about teachers saying that on Zoom, they see the parents in the background drinking, smoking, not fully dressed. I'm thinking, yep, that's what's going on right now. So it's kind of a hybrid. On one hand, yeah, that's what it looks like. We are going to school and trying to work from home during a pandemic. People aren't completely pulled together. So I've dropped the bar down. People are doing the best they can. I'm not saying, you know, sit there in front of your kid's Zoom with all the students watching with a beer and a hand of cigarette and your top off. But I am saying that like we are focusing more on rest. I want people wearing pajamas and sweatpants. That's right. You don't have to do your hair. We're working from home. It's about comfort and mental health. And so I want to push back on people needing everyone to be dressed up and hair combed. Let them just be present and where they're at. We're, we're doing the best we can. And um, not everyone's home environment is the best. And not everyone has access to healthcare and finances, right? So let's be a little more loving, a little more caring. 
a little easier on everyone, but we need to be focusing on our mental health. So remember, it's not just about connection, right? Which is huge. That's, that's vital. Number two. So the first one is I want everyone connecting Two, just a reminder. Again, I want everyone asking those around them. How's your mental health? Not just how are you? What are you up to? Say, how is your mental health right? How's your mental health today? How's your mental health been since we last spoke? That's a really directed, targeted question. And that lets people know that you really mean it. How you been? What are you up to? That's casual. But saying, how's your mental health? Let's them know, like, I want to hear it. I'm here to hear. You can come to me. I'm one of those people we can have this kind of relationship. I want this kind of relationship, right? Because we're trying to normalize asking. We're trying to normalize listening to mental health. We're trying to normalize hearing. And the caveat to that is don't think you have to fix it. I think that's what holds some people back or scares them or makes them anxious in those conversations. You don't need to have a solution or fix them. You just need to be present. Just listen. Just say, yeah, I hear you. Man, that's horrible. And after they're finished, you can go make it about your experience. Yep, I'm going through that too. Isn't that difficult? Just be present. You don't have to fix it. You don't have to have an answer. Even as a therapist, I can't fix everything and I don't have answers for everything. Often therapy is about being a companion on someone's journey, not making them think they're going through it alone. Sometimes it is about offering new perspectives or some tricks, tips, or tools. I'm all about that. Sometimes therapy is very coachy. Sometimes friendship can be that way. You know, you can let them know what you've done or what you're doing. And it's always just focusing on self-care. What are the things that bring joy and pleasure into our lives? What are the things that nourish us and ground us, right? Because we have coping mechanisms and that's a multitude of all sorts of stuff. But we wanna make sure we're focusing on the ones that are self-care based, which means they leave us feeling better or at least the same, but they don't have a negative impact or leave us feeling off. That's why alcohol is not self-care. Alcohol is coping. It's a way to cope. It's not self-care. It doesn't have a positive impact. It's toxic for all of our different body systems. It amplifies violence, right? Leads to domestic violence, all sorts of stuff. So we're trying to lean on, again, the things that are self-care, again, which leave us better off. So wrapping that all up. And as always, register to vote. We got the time. Go online. It takes a few minutes. Check in on those around you to make sure their mental health is well and also that they're registered, that they're getting their ballot. And also we're practicing having difficult political conversations, letting people know if you're an exploited or marginalized person why this election matters. And... Um, why who's in a position of power matters as well. All right, coming up next, we're gonna be doing some news, and then later in the show, we're gonna be talking about etiquette around nudes. That's because people sext. They're sexting now more than they were before because they're sitting there at home with their Snapchat, their IG, and their phones in their hands. So we're gonna talk about safety around sexting, but also nude picture etiquette. Yep, it matters. 2020, and these are the kinds of things we gotta talk about. And then later in the show, we're gonna talk about signs that maybe it's time to see a therapist. Very, very, very important. All right, you are listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. Question of the night, as always, it's up on our Loveline IG page in the stories, so weigh in on that. They're gonna be sliding into those DMs. Also, just a heads up, um, Ah, oh, wait, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of pitch that later. Let's talk about some news. Lots of important stuff to talk about, actually. Uh, okay, here we go. So let's just talk about coronavirus numbers because this is me reminding those that aren't wearing their mask or social distancing how real this is. So uh, up to this point in the United States, confirmed is 6 million going on seven. Deaths, 200,000. Okay, worldwide, we've got 31 million cases. Worldwide deaths, 966,000. Not okay. Gotta take this seriously, folks. Breaking my heart. People picking fights when stores are mandating wearing masks. Owners of restaurants and bars saying no masks are allowed to be worn inside. It's, it's disgusting and it's a mess. People attacking people for setting those rules. Come on, y'all. People living with others and not respecting them and going out and not wearing a mask and coming home and not caring. It's a mess. It's hurting my heart, man. Mental health is about caring, compassion, and realizing how we impact others. Otherwise, we're talking about narcissism and sociopathy where we don't care about others. We have to be more collective in our thought process. We have to be more universalizing in our you know, care and compassion. 
Um, some news though, new CDC Halloween guidelines. I know, I know, I know, I know this year is going to be different. It's letting us down a little bit. Things got to be different, but that's why I'm using that word. It's different. It doesn't have to be worse. It's just different. We're going to be showing up to it and encountering it in a new way. It doesn't mean it has to be less than, right? So the guidelines, uh, Halloween guidelines, and they're discouraging tricking, trick and treating, trick or treating. I can't speak nationwide. So CDC, you know, again, God bless them. We're still going to them for a lot of resource, but like, I take everything they say now with a grain of salt. They've released guidelines on their website and they're saying that most of the traditional activities are really high risk for spreading the virus. And, and I agree with that, right? And um, the high risk ones that they're talking about are the door-to-door trick-or-treating because think about all the different hands and touch and air shared spaces going home to home, the multitude of people that are circulating, coming in contact with each other. That's a lot. Uh, any trick-or-treating parties or events which have large groups, indoor costume parties, indoor haunted houses. Think about how many people are walking through their shared spaces, touching and the aerosol is not okay. Hay rides, tractor rides with people who are not in your household. All sorts of stuff, high risk, man. It's okay, we can lose a year. I'm seeing some people really pushing for things to still happen even online. And like on one hand, I appreciate some online activities still happening. On the other hand, it's okay to let some things go for a year. You know what I mean? Um, a couple different big events for the first time aren't going to occur this year. It's okay. It's okay. Like the New Year's Eve in New York City. It's okay to let it go this year. You know what I mean? Like we can be where we're at. It's going to have something online instead. But like, again, we can do things differently. Doing things differently doesn't mean it's less or worse off. Uh, things they are saying is okay, right? Um, basically, nothing's banned or canceled yet. We're going to see how that goes. But the C says that the low-risk activities are carving and decorating pumpkins with your family, decorating your home, scavenger hunts at home, moving out with your family. I love that. I think that's awesome. Also, 7-Eleven, they've hired, ready, 50,000 new employees during the pandemic. And they're looking to hire another 20,000. So reach out to your local 7-Eleven. Get that job. Get that money. Get that coin. Um, 50,000 people looking for 20,000 more. It's because places like that are, are killing it. Uh, that was in March. 7-Eleven started hiring associates from more than 9,000 stores. By August, company hired 50,000. Hiring even more. Bam. Telling you, they're expanding their delivery services. As far as I know, 7-Eleven in this area never delivered. Now they do. That is awesome. It's available in 400 cities. Bam. Um, also, list of places hiring for the 2020 holiday season. That's important as well because people are still going to go out there and shop. Some retail stores are still, you know, kicking butt and available so you can get a job there. So 1-800-Flowers, love that. They're hiring full-time and that's nationwide. I use them a lot. Also 7-Eleven, as we said, is looking to hire 20,000 more employees. So reach out to 1-800-Flowers. That might even be a gig you can do from home. I don't know that you'd have to go into any kind of control center. 7-Eleven, delivery or working there. Amazon, I'm not a fan of Amazon, but work-wise are hiring another 100,000 associates. That's both in US and Canada. Uh, starting wage is 15 bucks. Some city will get some cities will get up to 1,000 signing bonus. Okay. FedEx, 70,000 workers between now and the end of the year. UPS, 100,000 part-time and full-time employees for October through January. So some of these, about a third of them, they said will be hired permanently. That's awesome. So again, 1-800-Flowers, 7-Eleven, Amazon, FedEx, and UPS. Reach out. Many others too. This is good news. Also, um, would you risk getting COVID for unlimited flights? According to the International Air Transport Association, the airline industry is expected to lose $314 billion due to the pandemic. Hey, I don't know what to tell you all. That's how it goes. And if you want me to fly again, you need to give me more room and better seats and, and, and change the whole game. I'm sorry. The airline is needing to face the truth. Air travel stinks. They just try to pack you in there. I'm not a fan. Trying to stay afloat, Air Canada, who's a nightmare, 
I use them all the time. Horrible custom service. Horrible custom service. Sometimes you can't get a hold of anyone and they just hang up on you. I'm not a fan of Air Canada. They're launching their Infinite Canada flight pass, a ticket to anywhere, anytime for a flat fee of $2,000 per month. I, I can't even get into that, it's a mess. Some of these things are just too much. This is interesting. So this is this is from CNN. 50 things you can do this fall despite the pandemic. So maybe some of these things are interesting to you. Some of them are a little random and it really depends on the locale and, you know, again, finances. Apple picking? That was something I made a list that I want to do. Stunning. Fun, adorable, cute. Look, that's a good date idea. Put on those masks, go apple picking. You're definitely not gonna be around people. It's outdoors. Also, corn mazes. I'm not I mean, huh? <laughs> I think that's real specific. And also, like, I don't know. Those corn things are, I don't know. Anyway, bonfires, <laughs> okay. I mean, you have to have access to a beach that allows that. Maybe you can do it in your backyard. Making your own Halloween candy, I'm all about that. I mean, there's so many, you can. You have access to recipes for literally anything. You can Google make anything. So y'all wanna make some of them vegan candies and Halloween stuff do doable. Watching meteor showers, because there's gonna be one on October 20th, November 11th, and November 16th. So start looking into that. Meteor showers, volunteering at food banks, and also trying some new recipes. I love that too. All right, y'all, coming up next, we're gonna talk about sending news in terms of safety and etiquette. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, y'all, we're back. Uh, time to talk about sexting and nudes. I know, look, talking about things isn't permission giving, but I am giving permission. If you're over the age of 18 and you're an adult, Sexting is part of courtship in the 21st century. Anything we have technology, anything technological we utilize for courtship, dating, fun, whatever. It's, you know, we need to stop shaming the people that send them and shame the people that misuse them. That's the problem. We can't keep taking things away because certain people don't know how to utilize it from a compassionate adult kind of stance, right? And so I'm not a fan of saying, just don't do it. That's not the way to go. Come on, we gotta get more familiar engaging in what's happening, more body positive, more sex positive. It's an okay part of flirting and courtship. And there's, but there's, there's rules and regulations and expectations that we need to have when it comes to the ethics of it all, right? And so again, this whole process is about bonding, connecting, intimacy, building fun and pleasure. It shouldn't be something that harms people. So whenever I talk about sexting, the first thing I always want to mind people is laws. We now have what we call revenge porn laws. Now that term is a big umbrella term and people don't necessarily understand how the concept of revenge porn applies to sexting. Well, the reason why it came to be is people that were hurt, upset, and wanted to injure people that had sent them photos and images, they were taking them, putting them on websites, sometimes with their name and address or even social media handles, and it was becoming a full form of sexual abuse, trauma, and harassment. So laws were passed. Now, part of the revenge porn law passing, and this is in, I think, 10 or 12 states, it's not everywhere yet, basically says that, hear this, hear the wording, that you own, you have ownership of your photos and videos, even if you send them to someone. So if you send someone naked pictures or videos, you still own them. Sending them to someone is not you legally transferring ownership to them. So they cannot say, well, I have them. You sent them to me. I own them. No, you don't. The other, the receiving person only owns them legally if you've given them explicit permission. So unless you've said, I give you permission and transfer ownership to you, you still own them, even though you've sent them and they're on their phone. If they do anything with them, including share them to anyone or post them or send them, they violate that law and it comes with jail time and a fine of multiple thousands of dollars. And people have taken these things to court and won. And I'm all about it because sex should not be something used as a weapon or as violence. It should be rooted in fun, pleasure, safety, and excitement, connection, intimacy. This is a misuse. It's abuse. So... 
know that, know that the law's on your side. And I actually advocate for people when they send them to say that, hey, just wanna let you know, I'm about to send you videos and pictures. I do not give you ownership or permission to use them, share them or show them anyone. And revenge porn laws have my back. Also, safety in terms of sharing is knowing that you can't trust everyone. And we live in a culture that shames people if they ever do get leaked. Still, sadly, although it's getting better, celebrities are less like, eh, it is what it is. Good, it's just a penis. It's just boobs. We need to get familiar and comfortable with it. Shouldn't be that big of a deal. It doesn't speak poorly of that person. It says everything about the person who misuses it. So let's not shame the people that are sending them because they trust. Let's shame the people that are misusing it, right? But bigger than that, the way you protect yourself is don't include your face or anything identifiable. Unfortunately, that is where we live with this. So it's just random body parts that can never be identified and really don't have any power then. And that's the way you do it. Hide anything that that indicates it's you. Now, more importantly though, etiquette around it is, hear me say this, I wrote an article on this. It's posted on my social media. I think it's on my Facebook page, maybe my Twitter too. Basically, once someone sends you the photos, once the purpose of them being sent and utilized is done, delete them. So if someone's sending you photos for an afternoon of fun and flirting, great, enjoy them. But as soon as the conversation's done, delete them. If someone sends you them during their relationship with you, delete them as soon as you break up. That is the ethical thing. You don't have a right to keep them legally, but nor should you even ethically delete them. You'll get more from new people, but you shouldn't be building a library. And it's illegal to show them to other people. And the stats show that 20% of people, 23, 20 20 or 23% of people, show them to at least three other people. That's not what that's for, and that's not fair, and that's not kind. And so when someone sends you to you them, it's for you only and for that time period only, the relationship, whether it lasts an hour, a day, or a couple years. When it ends and you don't talk any longer, delete them. You can always ask for more or new ones, but that's part of the etiquette. That's how we protect others and protect ourselves and tell people that. Even ask that. Hey, I'm sending you these. I'm not giving you permission or ownership of them. Do not show them to anyone else, and I'm going to ask that you delete them as soon as we're done. And, and then you have to trust, truly. But again, remember, like, don't be engaging sexually relationally with people you don't think you can trust. I'm not saying you, it's your responsibility you should know from the outset, but that is the one piece of responsibility. Protect your identity a little bit, right? Let them know your expectations. Only send it to people you feel will have a good feeling about, and then it falls on their ethics and their integrity, right? We're all in it together, but we gotta do better. And if you're the friend of that crappy friend, tell them, hey, dude, I don't wanna see it. That wasn't sent to you to show me. Hey, dude, delete those. You don't talk to that person anymore. Hey, dude, don't do anything with them. That's not kind. Like, you know, we have to hold everyone around us to a better standard, right? That's why you have to call out to your friends. Hey, homophobia, not cool. Hey, that sounded racist. Uh, we're not going to be talking like that here. You know what I mean? Like, hey, I love the energy. Love how excited you are, but you need to leave the transphobia at the door. We don't do that here. We got to hold each other accountable, especially around the misogyny and the sexism, the slut shaming. Um, shut that down always, everywhere, because that's how rape culture is built these early little rumblings and acceptabilities of misusing these things, and it leads to bigger issues and trauma. All right, y'all, coming up next, we're gonna be sliding into those DMs. Question of the night, it's up on our Loveline IG page in the story, so weigh in on that. Listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, y'all, we're back. Time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex world. We want you to explore the confidence. Here we go, this question asks, Hey, Dr. Chris, pretty sure you've gone over this before, but what are your favorite dating apps? Oh, I like this question. It's about to be the holidays, and I just want someone to cuddle with safely and watch scary movies with and decorate and all that. Which ones do you recommend? I love that. So I'm going to start a little broad at first. The unfortunate answer, (laughs) fortunate and unfortunate, is that all of them 
essentially, in theory, have the capacity of being good, meaning there's all different kinds of people on all of them because not everyone knows better or targets certain ones. A lot of people go for the big popular, like the top three. And um, so there's good people on all of them, right? So it's really about you just entering, knowing what you're looking for, checking in with yourself and saying, how does this feel? Assessing compatibility and chemistry around the things that are important to you. Uh, don't sell a dream. Don't misrepresent yourself. And that might mean you matching with someone you think super hot and super cool, but you realize you don't enjoy what they enjoy and you don't want to fake who you are for a fake connection that then maintains more fakeness to, to keep it going. Sometimes part of dating is getting disappointed or disappointing someone by being your real self and realizing we're different. You know, for instance, I'm vegan. I also don't drink. So I only eat at vegan restaurants and I don't enjoy hanging out in bars. So if someone loves going with their buddies all weekend long to the bars. Um, we're not going to be a match socially. I don't want to do that. But again, I can date people that drink. I'm dating someone now that drinks. We just don't hang out in places that require a lot of drinking, you know? Um, and also, you know, for me, I got to date someone sophisticated enough and curious enough to try different kinds of cuisine because I only eat at vegan restaurants. So, and that might mean if I was single, meeting someone I think super rad, super hot, that might say, yeah, I'm not down with that. And I'm like, okay, then we're not a match. It's not going to work, right? And also sexuality. You know, you got to be comfortable saying, mm, yeah, I hear what you're saying. That's not really hot to me. I don't want to do that. Not everyone's into things like sexting, right? So they might be like, oh, send me some photos. And you might want to because you want to make them happy and you want them to want you. But you have to realize like, it's not my jam. It's okay to be like, yeah, that's not really hot to me. Because I want people to check in like, is that hot to me? Because my what's hot to me matters. But when someone takes that lead about who they are, what they're interested in, what they like romantically, socially, psychologically, sexually, we often want to kind of like find a way into that. And it's okay to be like, yeah, sounds like we're just not a match. But at the same time, we do want people to be open. So you want to go in there a little open-minded, but also being authentic because that's what dating is about, is being myself, they're themselves, and we see if that works. Having said that, though, there are specific apps for specific targeted individuals. I talked about this just um, on an earlier show this week, how some apps are geared towards people with STDs and STIs to avoid stigma. There's ones that are focused more on lifestyle and interests and hobbies and not aesthetics, so it's not picture-based. I like ones like Hinge. Hinge does really well with a lot of people I work with because you're able to post multitude of pictures and comment yourself on your photos so people can learn more about you and they can engage you around the photo and the post you made about that photo. So it's not as just like a hard startup of like, hey, how are you? Good, how are you? Um, but apps I, I, I prefer, well, Tinder number one, not because it's awesome as much as it's got the largest people on it. So you have a large volume of people you have access to. Okay, then hinge because it gets a little more specific with interests. And if you're someone who like same sex sexuality, I scruff and grinder. Scruff tends to be a little more social relational, grinder's a little more hookup-y, but that doesn't mean that those people aren't interested in something more if something more is presented or more compatibility. So my answer is kind of like I don't have a solid one that always work because different ones are better for different people. And it is a case by case based on the city and the town. Like all those factors matter. So you really got to put the time in. So I say pick two or three, right? Give them a shot, see how that goes for at least three months, two or three for three months. You go on at least twice a day, at least twice a day to check in because people are looking for others that are present and consistent and interested. And so at least check in the morning and at night to engage. And if you're interested with someone on there, be the bold one and say, give me your number, let's text. And, and you be the one that's assertive. It's really more about if you're willing to be assertive and put yourself out there, you can make use of all of them. So good luck with that. Sign the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex world. We want you to explore with confidence. I love this question because I want everyone to know that right now is a time you can still be sexual from a distance. 
There's so many great ways to be sexual. And also now is a time where you can fall in love and date. Someone said, yeah, I know now's not a great time to date. And I'm like, yeah, it is. Absolutely. You might not meet them in real time, though you can with a mask, socially distanced outside, which is still awesome. But maybe just build it up online until the world's a lot safer. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk about homeschooling. Studies are showing there's a rise in it and it's going to continue even after the pandemic. Talk about the positives and negatives of that. Listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, so um, we're going to talk about homeschooling, which I know is really interesting to people, but mental health definitely is a part of education, where, how, what happens, and school's an interesting place. For some people, positive memories, they made friends, they felt included, but that's usually if they were white, cis, or hetero, or whatever it is, but um, for some individuals, school is not safe. For some individuals, school's where they get access to food and socialization. For others that are of any kind of exploited minority-based status, they're fat, they're not athletic, they don't meet desirability standards, they're gay, they're feminine, they're butch, um, all, they're trans, all sorts of things. Uh, school's a site of bullying and trauma. They don't feel safe, they don't feel included. No one ever mentions that gay people are real and exist. No one talks about gay figures from history. There's no out-gay teachers. There's no LGBT school clubs. There's no gay people around you to date, flirt, and socialize with. Straight people, you know, schools are built around the straight hetero experience. They get to practice stages of courtship, having crushes openly, dating openly, going to prom with who they want. Anyone that's not hetero doesn't have that care and support. So they have a delayed in that. It's shamed, it's removed. They don't get to have those experiences. They should. People should go to the prom with whoever they want. We should be talking about gay and trans figures that have existed from the beginning of time, especially the famous artists, writers, and figures that they were gay, that they were trans, that they were gender fluid. We should have teachers that are openly gay, openly bi, openly trans. We should have gay clubs, clubs for people that are differently abled, people that are fat, fat rights, fat inclusivity. All these things matter. School's not a site of safety and mental health for a lot of people because of the bullying. Also, it matters based on their family, poly families, families where it's maybe three parents, you know, two gay men and a straight woman raising a child together. All these different styles aren't always accepted at school by the school board, the teachers. Teachers often won't even use correct pronouns. That's mental abuse. It's not for you to decide whether or not you use a pronoun. You're told. If someone tells you the pronouns, you use them. You don't get to decide that. It's odd to me the power that's given to teachers. I was sharing a story um, about a girl who I think had her period in her pants and another one wet their pants because the teacher wouldn't let them go to the bathroom. My answer was, if that was my child, I'd say, you go to the bathroom and you let me handle your teacher because that's physical abuse, sexual abuse, and psychological abuse to tell a child that when they need to go to the bathroom, they can't. That's not okay. That's a misuse of power. School's not safe for everyone. School wasn't safe for me. I did not do well in school. My neurodiversities weren't honored. I was someone who talked fast, moved fast. I was shamed, told I needed help and medication. I didn't. I needed a supportive environment that would let me do me and work with me. Also, someone who's sexually fluid and explorative. I wanted to date and have sex with all different genders. That was shamed because of homophobia, biphobia, all sorts of things. It was a mess. I hated it. I would have fared better possibly getting educated at home or somewhere else. That still exists for a multitude of people. It's not okay. That leaves lasting scars and traumas for people. So homeschooling on the rise, I'm all about it. And in some ways, I could see doing that if I decide to have children at some point, where I get to choose what we focus on. I get to choose the 
the value system. I get to choose what's important. I get to raise them with my ethics and my politics. I don't want a kid going to school where they don't acknowledge that gay people exist. I don't want my kid going to school where sex ed is just about, you know, condoms and, and heterosexual bodies and individuals. I don't want my kid going to school where they don't talk about all the amazing trans and gay figures and black figures and Chicana figures and, and all sorts of stuff throughout time and history, right? You want to send your kids to school. It's healthy and, and, um, really diversified in all of its activities and acknowledgement of gender pronouns and what's real, different styles of families. Schools should meet students where they're at. Students shouldn't have to fit into a system. A system isn't a person. People matter more. St- you know, Institutions and systems should meet people where they're at and what their needs are. That's why marriage is finally, finally letting gay people get married. I can't wait to a time when people can marry more than one person because there are people in relationships with one more than one person. They shouldn't have to deny that to fit a system. System needs to update and meet where people are they're at. People are in numbers larger than two. That should change. Just like I'm glad driver's license, birth certificates are changing to meet the fact that there's more than two genders. Like the world needs to update itself and, and education's the same way. And so the rise in homeschooling, I get. There's a lot of violence that happens there, a lot of bullying, a lot of exclusion. And the home environment for many is the only place where they can be their loving poly family, where their child can be gender fluid, where they're not harassed, right? Where they're actually taught that Black Lives Matters and they can have a flag that says Black Lives Matters. I want schools where teachers can be themselves and be openly bi or gay. Students need that. I would have done far better having a more diversified, open curriculum and schooling. But instead, it was very conformist and it wasn't about creativity or mental health. And, and that's the problem. And so the homeschooling that's being driven by parents being like, look, we'll just do this ourselves because the pandemic is going to continue. Um, people aren't trusting the school system. They're opening back up with numbers still skyrocketing. How could you trust a system that would say we're going to put your family and your child at risk for what? Education, they can learn at home. They can miss a year. They can miss a semester. They can shrink in that time, shorten that time, and 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 pick up the slack elsewhere, let some things go. So I'm here for that. I get that. I support that. I understand that, right? So you got to do what makes sense to you. And parents know best what their children need most of the time. Not always, because <laughs> the family environment can be very traumatic. And that's an example where school becomes a safety for the child. They get out of that environment. They actually at school get the resources they want. They thrive. They have friends. They're allowed to be themselves, right? But often that is only for the, the white or at least the cis hetero child. If you are not cis or hetero, it is often a very traumatic, bleak space for you. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk about signs that maybe you should see a therapist. Listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. Question of the night. As always, it's up on our Loveline IG page, so weigh in on that. Uh, right now, we're going to talk about signs that uh, maybe you need to make an appointment and talk to a therapist. Now, the first answer I want to give is whenever you think you want to. There's no right or wrong reason. And I've had clients come in saying that. I don't know if I'm, I'm bad enough or I feel like I'm stealing a space from someone who needs it more. No, everyone has a right to access therapy. Some of the best therapy are clients that come in that say, nothing's really wrong. I just want to explore. I just want to learn more about myself. I just want to be better. You know, awesome. We do awesome work. Some people come in at their worst. So you can come in at your best. You can come in at your worst. We're, I mean, that's what's great about therapy is it's whatever you need. I'm a coach. I'm a therapist. I'm a psychologist. I'm a companion. You know what I mean? There's so many ways I can show up and be present to someone. So just know that. And right now, you don't need to suffer alone. What's great is we're offering telemedicine. All my therapy is being done online. I'm able to do coaching sessions with people around the world. Therapy only with people in the state of California, but I can do coaching, psychoeducation, and counseling with people from anywhere. And people are offering sliding scales, um, all sorts of stuff, groups you can get into. I'm going to be announcing a group that I'm going to be holding online very soon. 
Um, so, you know, if you think you need it, drop in, you know, check in, see how it goes. But, um, the, the main ones you want to look for number one, if you're, if your symptoms are interfering with your life, the things that are important to you, time with your family, time with yourself, maybe work aspirations. If whatever's going on with you seems to be getting in the way of that, your depression, your anxiety, time to reach out to a therapist. And that's, that's someone who can help you assess how to manage it how to decrease it, how to eliminate it, or maybe sometimes just how to live with it. Not everything's removable. Not everything's curable or fixable. Sometimes the work of therapy is learning how to allow something to exist because there's no way to remove it, how to manage, how to transcend it, right? But if your symptoms are interfering with things that are important to you, well then absolutely, that's number one. Also, if things just feel off, you know, you're seeing that there's a little too much consistency of being trapped in a mood. Now, I want to normalize that right now we should be a little depressed, a little anxious, a little flat. Things are happening around us that weren't that. Mental health is not about being happy. Mental health is not about feeling good. Mental health is about confidently, comfortably engaging in all emotions, good, bad, and ugly, and seeing them deeply. Mental health is feeling depressed. Mental health is feeling anxious, but it's not having them detrimentally impact you or remove things from your life. But we have to learn how to be depressed. We have to learn how to be anxious. And that's what therapy certainly is sometimes. Not removing it, but learning how to allow it. The work isn't about always being happy. That's called being a robot. That's not real. We don't want to bypass. We don't want to use therapy or spiritual practice to bypass feeling all emotions. There's no positive emotions or negative emotions. They're just emotions. And some of them we've, we've trained ourselves to think are negative. We have to get rid of them. We have fear around. Sometimes therapy is learning how to be in them. But another sign that maybe you need to talk to a therapist and work through and figure this out is your sleeping habits are different. Your eating habits are different. Sleeping and eating, especially sleeping, are really important signs that something's off, right? Um, also, if coping skills is another one. Remember, coping skills are anything you do to get through the day, but they can sometimes be ones that we're getting a little too compulsive with or impulsive with, or the boundaries don't seem to be there, or they're having a negative impact on us. And we want to look at our drinking or our drug use or the role food has in our lives, right? Um, Because again, it's okay to eat your, to, to use food to cope with your feelings. It's okay to eat your feelings. We're allowed to use coping mechanisms like food to feel better. That's not bad or wrong. And you want to work with a therapist who's body positive enough to understand that it's okay to put weight on. That's not a mental health issue. We're allowed to put weight on. The mental health issue is fear of weight gain. We're allowed to use food to cope. The mental health issue would be a fear of using food, right? So we want to work with someone who can help us understand that it's okay what you're using or help you find something that might be a little more sustainable or productive for you, right? Um, And also the biggest one is if the important relationships in your life are being negatively impacted. Like that's the core. Our core should be our, the things that give us joy, our ability to just rest and recover and relationships. And if those things start to be impacted, it's definitely time to seek something outside of you. You know, again, there's some good self-help books, but I'm a little critical of some of the work out there because some people think that mental health is just being able to be productive at work. No, work isn't the center point of our lives. It's forced to be, but it isn't in terms of mental health. Yes, we want to look at how we're showing up at work, but mental health isn't just the ability to get to the office. Mental health is how he's showing up to your family, your loved ones, your friends, yourself. That's the core piece. Are you able and understanding and building able to focus on self-care? Are you choosing passion in your life? Does your life have meaning and value to you? If your life doesn't have meaning and value to you, then it's quite understandable that you're not feeling like you want to be a part of your life and you're finding ways to check out. It's okay to check out, but if we want to check out as much as possible because the life we're leading isn't meaningful of a value or pleasure, well, that's where the work should be. That's the therapy. I work with people to build lives that make sense to them, that they want to be a part of, right? And sometimes that's their career and other times it's outside of their career. 
You know, relationships that feel fulfilling and nourishing. That's mental health, being able to fully participate in those ways. And also looking at sexuality. You know, a lot of these things ignore the sexual sphere as though that doesn't matter. But yeah, if your sexual desire and sexual pleasure with self or other is not where it normally is, that's okay. That's a good reason to reach out to a therapist. I want to bring that back. I have a lot of clients that come to me because the medication they're taking for their depression or anxiety is killing their sex life. And we work with the fact that then the medication isn't working. Because medication working, your mental health isn't just I'm not depressed anymore. It's looking at the larger scope of your life and what's meaningful. And if your sex life, your relational life, your passions aren't there or taken offline or decreased because of the medication or your coping mechanisms, well, then we need to make some changes. So that's an important, valuable part of work is really reorienting ourselves around those things that are important and make sense in our lives. So don't be afraid of reaching out to a therapist. Even if your question in reaching out is, do I even need to be in therapy? They'll talk to you with that. They'll talk to you about that, I mean. They'll help set goals. Every client I work with, we set early treatment goals and we check in on them. You know, what what, what do you want to come out of working with me? What are the targets? Knowing that that can change, that what you maybe enter with is something that doesn't get resolved at all or doesn't get resolved till the end of the road or maybe is dealt with immediately, right? But um, whatever the reasoning is, when in doubt, reach out and process it. Process it with a therapist and they'll help you figure out what's best for you. And maybe you'll even figure out that there's someone better to work with than them. I refer people out all the time realizing I'm not the best person to work with you on what you're reaching out about. I'm not an expert in that. We can only be an expert in so many things. Um, and, and they'll direct you. So when in doubt, reach out. I always say that about everything. When in doubt, reach out, connect, you know, get support, get care. All right, coming up next, question of the night. We'll be back in two minutes. It's our two minute promise. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. Time for question of the night. Cardi B. Yep, Cardi B. Good old Cardi B. She is under some heat after she says, excuse me, after she decided to go on to OnlyFans Live and talk to her fans about music and her divorce with Offset. I didn't know she was on OnlyFans. See, everyone. After the sessions, one fan on Twitter named someone, I'm not going to say their name, posted this, their screenshot that they had given Cardi an $800 tip and said, Cardi is 800 not enough to notice me, we love you. Cardi finally responded with, hi baby. Fans immediately came for Cardi saying that she shouldn't accept the money. Then people were mad at OnlyFans for allowing her to get her money immediately, while others have had to wait, saying that celebrities shouldn't be on OnlyFans because it ruins people's income. See, everything becomes a mess. <laughs> How do you feel about celebrities being on OnlyFans? Should it only be people using their site for their income? versus high paid people. So for those that are a little lost and don't understand what we're saying, what we're saying is OnlyFans was created for normal individuals who want to use sex work as a way to you know work and get their needs met. But then a bunch of celebrities jumped on and are using it as well. Not always even for sexual purposes. And so what they're saying is when people log on, they're not going to use the people that need the money and need the platform. They're going to instead be spending their money because it's a monthly subscription and you choose who you subscribe to and you can subscribe to as many people as you want. They're going to instead subscribe to all the celebrities. So celebrities have removed the capacity of non-celebrities to get access on that site, right? So, you know, they're saying like, let us just use this site. Y'all have enough money and fame. Like, don't come on here taking attention away from us. Um, so that's why the question of the night is, do you feel that celebrities should be on there and using that site for themselves? They make enough or is it all good and fair, you know, fair is fair. First person said, I just don't understand why I have to wait a week to get my OnlyFans money and celebrities get paid out instantly. Okay, so there's someone who uses that as their income and they're waiting forever to get the money and celebrities are immediately getting paid and they're saying that's not fair. I appreciate that. 
Someone else said, uh, all I know is that if I pay someone's 800 bucks, I better get more than a high. And that's the thing. These celebrities make millions and they're used to getting really high paid for things. So to them, an $800 tip ain't that deep. And to them, it's not worthy of a lot of care and attention or respect because they get paid mad money. And that's the problem. What's 800 is huge to all of us, but to a high paid celebrity who makes a lot of money, it's just not that deep to them. And so they're kind of operating from a different system, which I get is out of touch, but that's where that lives. Uh, someone else said, this is literally why celebrities shouldn't be allowed to be on OnlyFans. They're already millionaires and they can sell merch, tickets. We can't. And that's the point. Let the normal person use this because that's the only place they can sell these services. And these other celebrities popping on there are taking time and attention and money away. I agree. So question tonight is, should only, I'm sorry, should it only be people using the site for their income versus high paid people on OnlyFans? Someone else said, don't let the rich get richer. I agree. How much money do certain people need? How many homes and cars and watches do you need? Dear God, there's people that can't even pay their rent. And that's what's so heartbreaking. Jeff Bezos has enough money to make everyone have a living wage. He's hoarding his money. How many boats and houses does this mofo need? There are people that can't get their insulin. There are people that can't pay their rent. There are people that are hungry. And these other people are flaunting their money on these boats out in the ocean in the middle of the pandemic. Like, dear God, like, you don't need all that money. Give some of it away. Jeff Bezos' ex-wife gave away a lot of her money. That's what you do. After you make a certain enough, my God, give it back. Sorry, y'all. This just stuff. Classism is a mess. So is elitism. Uh, someone else said $800 to Cardi. Here's what I was saying. Someone said $800 to Cardi is like five bucks. It's nothing. 800 to someone trying to put together, trying to put themselves through school or provide for their families is everything. I agree with you 100%. Don't give Cardi an $800 tip. She doesn't need it. I'm sorry. You, you'll do without that high from her. You know what I mean? Give that money to someone who needs it. If you have $800 that you can drop for a celebrity to acknowledge you when they're not acknowledging, they don't know your name. They don't know your face. They don't remember. Come on. Let's stop giving celebrities so much power and attention from them have so much meaning and power because it doesn't. It shouldn't, right? So um, let's reel that back in and, and be tipping the people that need the tips. I agree with that wholeheartedly. I also shared this before. Mary J. Blige was complaining that now people can sell their music from home and get it on Spotify and all these things, and now she's competing with everyone. That's right. If your music is good, you'll be fine. But I like the fact that the general public from their couch can create their own music and get it on the same platforms as the artists that have sponsorship from record companies on Spotify, iTunes. Yeah, I love it. Balancing it all out. Equal access. And if your music's good, you'll be fine. If it's not, you won't. But no one has more of a right to have their art or artistry out there. But the common folk, this is all we got. Don't take it from us. Don't take it from them. You know what I mean? Celebrities, you got enough. So this stuff really hits home for me. Uh, that's our question of the night. The next one's already up. That's always on our Loveline page in the stories and also DMs. Coming up, we're gonna do that next. I wanna remind everyone of my live stream show. I'm listening live. That's every Thursday night on all the radio.com handles. So that's their Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I'm sorry, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. And uh, that's at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. And you can go back and check out past episodes and Loveline podcasted at We Are Channel Q. You can go back, check out old episodes there. Coming up next in two minutes, two minute promise, DMs. Listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new Channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back, y'all. Time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex of world and we want you to explore with confidence. Here we go. Dear Dr. Chris, I'm struggling because I feel super guilty. Before the pandemic, I was going out and partying and hanging out with people. Since the pandemic, it's like I've gone into a hole. I don't really talk to any of those people anymore and they hit me up in the beginning, but they've stopped. It's like... 
I was mad they hit me up in the beginning of the pandemic, and now I've sad they've stopped hitting me up. But I still don't want to see anyone, and I'm definitely not talkative. I've never felt like this before. I'm usually so outgoing and love people, but I just feel so drained. What is this, and will it stop? You know, I think a lot of people can relate to this, so thank you for your honesty and vulnerability. I'm in the same boat, so I'll speak from my own experience. You know, I'm feeling fragile. I'm tired. Everything feels exhausting. And I've given myself permission to be less social. I've given myself permission to lean out a little bit, knowing that my really good friends that care about me will stick around and they'll be glad to connect in the ways we connect and they'll still be there after all of this because they'll understand. So those that are really important to you, be transparent and let them know, hey, thanks for reaching out. I'm sorry it took me time to get back to you. I'm really struggling with mental health stuff, but it means a lot to still hear from you. Tell people what you're struggling with. Tell people where you are. Tell people what you need. That means a lot. If you just go silent, it's hurtful. And I'm saying this from both perspectives. So if you're reaching out to someone and you're, if, I'm sorry, if someone's reaching out to you and you're not up for a full engagement, tell them that. Thanks for reaching out. Great to hear from you. Having a rough day or a rough week or a rough month. Let's talk soon. But thanks for reaching out. It made me feel good. Be honest. But yes, some people just wanted to party with you and you were their party friend. We have friends that we go to for advice, friends we go to for smart talk, and friends we go to that aren't that smart, but it doesn't matter. We just party. And when partying's no longer on the table, there ain't much to connect over. And that's okay. They'll be there to party again when this is lifted. Trust me. You hit them up and this is all done. Say, let's grab a drink. They're all in. They get it. But right now, there isn't space for them in your life. You're, you're thinking deeper thoughts or you're wanting more space. That's okay. Allow that. People come and go from our lives. That's not a bad thing. And there's fluidity. Just because we're not close now doesn't mean we won't be again. So give yourself permission for that fluidity. Let go a little bit. But tell people where you are. Let them know what you need. You know? But just be where you are. And that's part of it. I'm not shaming myself for being less social. I'm staying connected, though, to some people. I'm making myself every day. It's good for me. Um, but people that I'm not really down to see, because some people are still saying, come out in the world. Let's do stuff. And I'm like, mm, I'm really not feeling safe entering the world. Thanks for reaching out. Or how are you? Or no, I don't want to meet you for brunch, but let's FaceTime. Just be where you are. Don't panic. You know, the good ones stay close and the other ones will be available again when what's available to do with them is there. You know, some people, it's your hiking friend, your outdoor friend. We can't do that you know, tell them you're thinking of them and say things like, I can't wait for the world to open up so we can go back out and have some drinks. You know what I mean? It's okay to acknowledge what the friendship's based on, but don't panic. You know what I mean? Let yourself be where you are. Connect with three people a day if you have the time and energy. Maybe instead of three a day, it's three a week. Stay close to some people. I don't want you to get too familiar completely backing away. But yeah, we're going to lose some friends and we're going to be surprised at other people we get close to that we didn't expect. It's just kind of part of the process, but it's a microcosm of larger life. The larger life is like that. When you move, take a new career, shift your priorities, get sober, get into a relationship, maybe have a child, all of that pulls us away from others and closer to some. We have to get very familiar with that, very comfortable with that. But again, stay connected to some people, know that the others will still be there when this is done, but tell people where you're at, what you want, so they don't think you just don't care. You know what I mean? Let them know you're struggling right now, you know, but you're glad to hear from them. Slide in the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex world. We want you explored for confidence. That's our show. But we'll be back tomorrow, 7 p.m. Pacific, Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern. And as always, Love Lines podcasted on wearechannelq.com. You can go back, check out past episodes, share and post them. And if you need a little company you want to read this week, pick up my books, Rebel Love or Sex Outside the Lines. Rebel Love is available on audio. I read it. Sex Outside the Lines is available on audio. I don't read it. I apologize. It's read by someone who's a little stale. God bless it. And also, I'm going to be posting soon about an online group I'm going to be holding for people that want to work on healthy sex and relationships. So look out for that. It'll be a weekly group. I'm doing a little homework, a little coaching, a little therapy. It's good stuff. Can't wait. 
As always, though, you guys, thanks for hanging out with me. Make sure you focus today, if you haven't already, on some form of self-care, something that brings you nothing but joy and pleasure, and also focus on amping that rest. Let go a little bit. Be kind with yourself and others, and drop the expectations on everyone around you, including yourself. It's a tough time. We're trying to live life as we normally do during a pandemic, and we can't. Expectations have to change. As always, though, thanks for hanging out with me, you guys. Sending love, and have a beautiful rest of your night.